Let's pray. You truly are a God of wonder, of awe, of grace, of mercy. But Father, one of the things that we realize about you is that you've thought about everything that we needed before we even needed it. So as we just spend a few moments in Scripture looking at Sabbath, may you give us a deeper understanding of what Sabbath means to you and how it can be such a delightful gift to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing our sermon series. I think we have a few more left on what it looks like to not just be a follower of Jesus, but what does it look like for Christian discipleship? What does it look like to take what Scripture teaches us and then apply it into our lives in such a way that it's meaningful for us? And this morning we're going to be looking at something that I think for Seventh-day Adventists is y'all have an opinion about the Sabbath. Um, Even if you're not a Seventh-day Adventist, but you've attended at least one time here Every one of us has our own understanding, interpretation, and thoughts about what Sabbath is like. And so to kind of begin to talk about that, I want to share with you an old Indian proverb that some of you might have heard, but for those of you who haven't, it's a story of six blind Indian men, and they're talking about what an elephant is. And so they start talking about what an elephant looks like, what it might be like, but no one has, because they're blind, they haven't seen it, they haven't touched it. And so one day, one of the village elders tells these six blind men, okay, I'm going to bring you to, I'm going to, bring you to an elephant so you can feel and, in a sense, grasp and understand what an elephant is like. So the first blind man reached out and touched the side of the elephant, Right? And he says, oh, an elephant is smooth like a wall, he declared. It must be very powerful. The second blind man put his hand on the elephant's limber trunk. And he says, the elephant must be a giant snake, he announced. The third blind man felt the elephant's pointed tusk. I was right, he said. This creature is as sharp and deadly as a spear. The fourth blind man touched the elephant's four legs And he says, what we have here is an extremely large cow. The fifth blind man felt the elephant's giant ears. And he says, I think it's like a huge fan or some sort of magic carpet that can fly over mountains and treetops. The sixth blind man gave a tug on the elephant's coarse tail. And he says, well, this is nothing more than a piece of old rope. Dangerous, he says. And the reality is, every one of them was right right? Every one of them was right about the part of the elephant that they were experiencing. And a lot of times when it comes to us talking about Sabbath, there are so many different facets about the Sabbath. There's the prophetic part of the Sabbath. There is the Old Testament part of the Sabbath, the New Testament aspect of the Sabbath. There is the Jewish understanding of Sabbath. There's evangelical Christianity's understanding of Sabbath. I mean, like, we could literally have an entire sermon series that could go for weeks about what the Sabbath is if we were to look at all of it. And so this morning, I want us to be like some of these blind men and say, well, let's just look at one small aspect of the Sabbath. I cannot be exhaustive. So some of you may want one aspect of it, and maybe I can't give that to you. But when I thought about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means for us to truly follow in the footsteps of Jesus and really enter into this this rhythm that God has created for us, I want to just leave you with a couple of thoughts So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open to Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And Jesus tells us a little story. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. 
And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did, King David in the Old Testament, when his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God, so their, their sanctuary, their temple, and he ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. So I want to pause there for a second. There's so much to unpack and so here's the story. Jesus and his disciples are walking through a, grain, through a grain field on Sabbath. They were hungry, and they didn't have any food, so they took some of the grain, and there was a certain way that they could kind of diminish it a little bit and then be able to get a little bit of snack, a little bit of sustenance. All they were doing was trying to eat a little bit. And the Pharisees, the people who were like the moral police of the first century, came to Jesus because they saw Jesus as a spiritual teacher. They, whether they agreed with what Jesus was teaching, he, they clearly understood that he was a rabbi who had students, who had followers. People were showing up to hear what Jesus was saying. So they say, hey, spiritual teacher, you heretic, why are you allowing your disciples to, to do what is unlawful on Sabbath, which was in a sense work? And in essence, what they're asking is, why are you allowing them to do something that is profane on a day that is sacred, that is holy? And so Jesus, like Jesus always does, Jesus never really fights with people usually. He just kind of gives them like a roundabout answer to everything to kind of help get them to where they need to be. And he explains to them, he says, do you remember David? And, and David for the, for the Israel, I mean, David to this day for our Jewish brothers and sisters plays a central role as the one true king of Israel who was a man after God's own heart, a man who did everything he could, even when he did terrible things. David was the one that would come before God, grovel before God and say, I am sorry, I am not worthy, be merciful when you punish me. Like David didn't say, don't punish me. He just says, I know the punishment is coming just try to be merciful with me when you punish me. So David is esteemed and revered. And so this David is almost like a demigod to, to these people, right, to, to the first century Jews. And so then Jesus says, well, do you remember David, your hero? He did something that was profane to something that was sacred. So in the Old Testament, they had this sanctuary and they had these certain things in there. And one of the things that they had in there was showbread, which was symbolic of God providing for the Israelites and symbolic of God's presence. And it says that David, because he was hungry, he goes in and takes what is holy that only the high priest could eat. And he takes that and he gives it to his warriors. And so Jesus says like, okay, so you're mad at me for doing this. Like big deal. Like my guys needed to eat, but you're giving David a pass for doing something that in essence was even worse. And so Jesus like doesn't even allow them to respond. Jesus instead says, listen, I created Sabbath for you as a gift. I didn't create you as humans to be certain ways and do certain things on Sabbath and just act like robots. But Jesus says Sabbath was created for mankind, for humankind. Sabbath was made as a gift for you to enjoy and to find delight. But the Pharisees, instead of enjoying this gift of Sabbath, the Pharisees instead made it a day full of rules. 
Instead of following the God that created the Sabbath, they followed rules and legalistic measures and ought-nots, right? Like all the things they were not allowed to do. They made it a day about things that you couldn't do, and they put their faith in rules instead of putting their faith in a relationship with God. And we know that in any kind of relationship, if there is rules, there, are, there is no freedom. If you've ever been in a relationship where there's a hundred million things that you can't do, that doesn't draw you closer to that person. It draws you further and further apart. And God understands this. So when he creates Sabbath, Jesus says, I made the Sabbath for you. I didn't make you to live like robots into this 24-hour period. And to show you that this is true, if you remember in the, first, in the very first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, when were humans created in the story of creation? What day? Yeah. Now think about this. If they were made near the end of the day, their first, the human's first full day in life would technically be Sabbath. So you see, when we think like God rested on the seventh day, then we say, well, then we as human beings, we work all week, so why don't we then go ahead and rest on the seventh day and recharge our batteries so that we have energy for the rest of the week? But in reality, what we see is that the reason that God stops creating on the sixth, uh, technically on the seventh day, he creates nothing, is because God has found the object of his affection in the humans that he created. So when we look at Sabbath as a gift, God is creating this 24-hour period that shows up every seven days of the week. And there is this rhythm that goes to the way that God creates things. And on Sabbath, we, get to, we do get to physically rest, but we also get to not worry about all the other things that are going on in our lives. For some reason, and maybe because we I was born into the faith, and you've heard me say this a hundred times and I'll say it forever, there's something that is just different in the air on Saturdays. Isn't that true? Amen? There's something that's different in the air on Friday nights, maybe because you turn the TV off and the radio and all that other stuff, but like you create this sense of like sacredness that is there whether you accept it or not, whether you do anything on it or not. And then there is something that's different on this day of the week where it's like, we know it's like every other day, but it's, but it's different. Which is why, like, if you've ever gone on vacation and you don't go to church on Sabbath, which we give you a pass when you're on vacation, I think. But then you're like, it's like Sunday or something, and you're just like, why does it feel like Sabbath today? Because you're not doing anything and you're on vacation. Like, like, there is this thing built into us where it's just like when you're having one of those days where everything's at peace, you're like, is it Saturday today? Do you guys ever get that when you're on vacation? All the time, all the time. You know, before God, like, only God is holy, but the Bible, it calls the Sabbath, the 24-hour period, holy before anything else in Scripture is called holy. Think about that for a second. So part of the imagination for, our, for, for the first humans was that God creates this day, and the first full day of human life was created to enter into relationship with God. There is this Jewish rabbi, his name is Joshua Abraham Heschel, and he calls the Sabbaths our great cathedrals. Have you ever been in a, in a cathedral? When I was in seminary, 
we used to go to Chicago all the time, and I would, there was this one cathedral called the Holy Name Cathedral that sometimes I would go in, and I would just, well, sometimes because it was cold, you needed somewhere to go, and there was nowhere to go, but you would go in there, and you would kind of get a little rest from the bitter cold that was happening there in the city. But there was always something that was a little, like, it just felt different when you walk into a cathedral. And I remember sometimes we would go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame was just around the corner, and they had, I think it's called Sacred Heart Cathedral or Basilica. But again, it was like this beautiful paintings and everything. And, and there is something that happens when you walk into cathedrals where you're just like, it feels different. I mean, sometimes that happens when we walk into churches and we say, like, there is something different that's happening here. And so this Jewish rabbi says the Sabbath, this 24-hour period, are your natural cathedrals in time. You don't need to go into a place. You don't need to go to a holy mountain. You don't need to go to some holy place. The reality is is that God gives us Sabbath as this natural cathedral that whether you're inside a building or outside a building on these 24-hour periods of the Sabbath, you have this great cathedral where you get to enter into relationship and into the presence of the God who creates all things. The seventh day is a palace in time. It is made for the soul to have joy and rest and peace. Think about that. The Sabbath is a palace in time. So in the Old Testament, and again, to understand where we're going with this, but in the Old Testament, when the Israelites would call the name of God and they would call him Yahweh, What they were really asking is that they were asking to come into the presence of the Holy One. So if you remember, when the Israelites were in Egypt, God rescues them out of Egypt, and he takes them where? Where was the goal of the Israelites after they came out of Egypt? The promised land, right? Canaan. How many years did it take the Israelites to get there? Forty years. I would argue, and not that I'm going against the Bible, but keeping this theme of presence. I would argue that the promised land wasn't necessarily this ultimate destination for the Israelites to live for all eternity. Because if if it was about the promised land, if that was all God was doing, was taking them out of Egypt, where they were were brick-making animals, right? They had a quota to fill. They were slaves. They were oppressed. If it was just about getting them out of Egypt into their own promised land, like that's kind of a very limited small view of God. If that's all that it was, then it would have taken, how many days would it have taken to go from Egypt to Canaan? Like less than a week, if they went in a straight line. Think about that. But instead, what we see in the Old Testament is that instead of them getting straight to the promised land, it takes them 40 years. They go in like basically in circles. But what were they learning during those 40 years? They were learning what it meant to have a relationship with God. In those 40 years, the Bible tells us that God was present in a pillar of fire and in a pillar of cloud wherever they went. So it was about them learning to enter into the presence of God. They had a mobile tabernacle where they were reminded that God's presence was in their midst. So it wasn't about the promised land because that's not even where they ended up being for, all, for the rest of their existence. But rather it was about them entering into the presence of God. And on Sabbath, when they come out of the promised land... The manna comes six days a week, but on the sixth day, they have to take how much manna? Twice as much, because on Sabbath, God was reminding them that they don't have to worry about advancing their place in the world. 
They don't have to worry about fixing the universe. They don't have to worry about making sure that everything is running well. On Sabbath, they were allowed to just rest and enter into the presence of the God who creates them and creates Sabbath to enter into where, in a sense, heaven and earth collide. When Jesus, in his Lord's Prayer, says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus is inviting both realms to collide because Jesus and God, God doesn't create the world and then wind the clock and let it run out on its own, but rather God enters into a relationship with the object of his affection, Adam and Eve, and he creates this day where they don't have to worry about anything else. Guess what? On Sabbath, I don't worry about paying bills. On Sabbath, I don't worry about doing my homework for my doctoral program. Well, to be fair, I don't worry about that until like three weeks before the paper's due. On Sabbath, I don't worry about going to get my car washed. I do worry because I park where I park, but I'm like, well, people just have to understand. On Sabbath, I don't worry about really anything else. Because on Sabbath is when we're invited to enter into the presence of God in a way that is unlike anything else. So there is all sorts of other things we could say about the Sabbath. You know, the prophetic, all the prophetic understandings, the Sunday and Sabbath. And you can do that Bible study on your own. But what I really want to give to you is that on Sabbath, God allows you and invites you to enter into this different space for 24 hours. And it's not even for 24 hours. It's, I mean, kind of because we sleep through part of it. But he is inviting you to enter into this palace in time, to this cathedral in time where you can say no to everything else. Jesus, or not Jesus, but in Exodus chapter 19 God is talking to Moses and he says this after he rescues Israelites out of Egypt. He says, you yourselves, the Israelites, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to, who knows the rest of that, brought you to where? To the Canaan, to the promised land? No. Brought you to myself. You see, God is a God who cares about you and wants you to enter into relationship with him. You know, when we, when we talk about wanting to spend an eternity with God and we want to live forever, I think a lot of times we get so caught up in our own fear of mortality here that we don't want to die, that we just, we long for heaven because then at least there we'll live forever. But the true reason that we should, and I don't like saying the word should, but the true reason for us to truly desire that eternity is not just so that we can live forever, but that we can be in the presence of God for all eternity. See, heaven for us, we don't know. I mean, we have some Bible verses, very little that say anything. But what we do know about eternity is that we're going to take each other with us. Like, that's all we'll have, God and each other which is why it's so important that we seek reconciliation here on earth because this is a glimpse, the church is a glimpse of what eternity will be like. So let me see, I got a little bit more. Oh yeah, I got plenty of time. Let's do, I have two more Bible verses to look at. So let's do Isaiah 58. Let's do Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, and we're just going to look at verses 
13 through 14. So how do we enter into this place? How do we get the most out of Sabbath that we can? How do we, how do we enjoy it and live within it and live into the flow that God has created? So Isaiah 58 verse 13 says this. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interest, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. Pause there. That's like God saying, you can, I'll bury, I'll, I bore you on eagles' wings. Now again in Isaiah, it's that same thematic thought of, I will, I will help you tread the heights. Now here's, here's where we're at with this. So much of Sabbath, like I said, you all have an understanding and an interpretation of Sabbath, but I want to boil it down to the essence of why God calls us not to work, but not just ourselves, but not to let our, we don't have slaves today, I hope, but like in the, in the Old Testament, not to let your slaves work or your animals work. Here's what happens. God says, for six days, you can do everything you can or want to advance your position in life. So if you need to make more money, you can go ahead and make more money. If you want to work more hours and work overtime, that's fine. You have six days a week. If you want to work, you work. And you can save up and you can make good investments and you can really set up a nice life for yourself financially. That's fine. God has no problem with you working to your heart's content. But he says, on the seventh day, you stop from all of that. And what he's saying is, you stop because you realize that all of that stuff really isn't what's important in life. And you don't worry about advancing your place in life because on the Sabbath, you trust God wholeheartedly that God will take care of all of your needs and your wants and your desires. So on the Sabbath, we refrain from all of that, not because God's going to get mad at us. God's not a Pharisee, by the way. I didn't know if you knew that, but God is not a Pharisee. God is the opposite of a Pharisee. God is, well, Jesus was God, and Jesus broke the Sabbath in all sorts of ways. FYI, just saying. But Jesus is inviting you into the Sabbath, and he says, look, take delight in the Sabbath. I would say this, what is going to feed your soul on the Sabbath? Is it having lunch with your friends and your family? Having lunch at potluck and just sitting around the table with friends? Is it going for a walk in nature? Is it taking a nap? Like, I know that's what we do sometimes. Although I, although I can't take naps on Sabbath. I can take naps every other day of the week, but on Sabbath, for some reason, I can't. (laughs) What is going to feed your soul, and what is going to bring you closer to God? And I think that's what's important for us to really think about, pray about, and say, God, and so that's why when Isaiah says, pursuing your own interests, and if you were to look at the whole context of Isaiah 58, you would see that the problem that God has with the Israelites is that They were honoring God with their lips and saying, oh yeah, Sabbath is awesome. But they were totally neglecting the oppressed. They were neglecting the the people that were in their midst. Like they, they didn't care about anyone else. And so while it looked like they were honoring the Sabbath on the outside, they were dishonoring God by how they were treating people on that day. And so Sabbath, the reason that the that the commandment tells us to stop from work is to remember that you owe your entire existence to the God who created you. And on Sabbath, we have a standing date to enter into this relationship with God. 
I think that's why I'll always be a Seventh-day Adventist. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I love the church, but, 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 but Sabbath is one of those things that for me is a non-negotiable because God creates this rhythm and your body knows that rhythm. Like that's why some of you try to sleep in on Saturday mornings because your body has that natural rhythm where you're going for six days and on that seventh day, your body just knows. Even people who aren't Seventh-day Adventists and don't go to church on Sabbath, like even they know that there's like, yeah, there is something that happens on Saturday. And so we're invited to enter into the, this eternal and heavenly rhythm to enter into this space where we can say no to everything else, not worry about our finances, not worried about our future, and just enter into this space and worship and be with each other and allow God to show us his way. And I just want to end with what Josiah read for us in Matthew chapter 11. Actually, no, just kidding. There's one more. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 tells us this. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also rested from his works as God did from his. And so when, when Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, talks about this Sabbath rest, what he's basically saying is this Sabbath rest is entering into the presence of God where you don't have to worry about anything where the peace that Jesus talks about, that he gives us this peace, a peace that the world doesn't understand, on Sabbath we get a glimpse into that. And yeah, like, you gotta say no to certain things on Saturday that are gonna take you away from being present to God. Like, what those are for you, you have to, learn, you have to know what those are for you. But there are, like, the, in a relationship, you don't allow 100 other people into that relationship with you. It's between you and that other person. So on Sabbath, like, yes, we invite you to invite your family and your friends into that, but there are going to be some other things that you have to say no to in order to silence the noise that gets in the way of being in full presence of God. And as Josiah read for us, part of this theme of rest is when Jesus says, come all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. From beginning to the end, God is continually inviting you into his presence and into his rest. And every single week we have Sabbath in order for us to be reminded that God is intimately connected to our lives and wants that relationship so that he can give us his peace and that we would enter into his rest. Amen.